Welcome to another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Dr. Kemi Dole. Kemi is an assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and she's also the new director of URM Faculty Development in the Office of Faculty Affairs, which is what I'm most excited about personally, because that means that she's come to work with me and our, our team, which is super exciting. And in the process of inviting you to come talk today, Kemi, I reflected on the fact that the reason that we made the plan to have this podcast is because you gave me an elevator pitch about the role <laughs> that you're in right now. So I thought yes. it would be good for us to talk about elevator pitches since you did it so effectively. So welcome. That sounds great. Thank welcome. you. <laughs> Thank you for having me back again. I'm happy to be here. And I'm thrilled to have you. So I think, you know, when you were thinking about this new role for the School of Medicine, you came and met with me and, and basically, for lack of a better word, tried to sell me on the idea of having someone in this role. So I think that you started with an elevator pitch. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, like, what is an elevator pitch? And am I right that you had planned a pitch to kind of put this idea out there and see if it, it would be something that we would invest in? Um, yes, <laughs> you are correct. Um, yeah, so I came to the pitch. So I would say, I'm sure you can Google elevator pitch and there's probably a multitude of answers, but the way I would answer it is that um, an elevator pitch is the shortest possible um, way that you can convey a persuasive argument or a persuasive story about something that's important to you. And so I think you'll, you could find that an elevator pitch might be two minutes somewhere or five minutes to find somewhere else. I think that the, the length of time is less than just thinking about the shortest way that you can convey your most persuasive story for an audience that, who it's important to. Um, so that's how I think about an elevator pitch. Okay, so I, that's kind of how I think of it too. You know, I, I think the part that you said about time doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't have to be so short that it's the ride of an elevator like they right. originally right. came from. But it's something about being concise and, and getting your message across. So mm -hmm. you have in your in your life at least once, and I suspect multiple times, put together an elevator pitch for something mm -hmm. that you thought was important to folks that mm -hmm. you thought you wanted to convey that importance to. So what what's your approach to kind of coming up with an elevator pitch? Because I think there's lots of folks who are listening who might say, I have a great idea that I'd like to take to my division head or my department chair or my clinic director. So mm -hmm. how do I go from having that great idea to having an elevator pitch to take to one of those leaders? Um, I love this question. So I will say, um, disclosure, I'm coming from a research mind. But I would say that at the similar to how I approach what I think is a new or interesting research question, I recognize that the question or the idea is just the very, very kernel of the beginning. That basically just gives you a direction in which to start thinking. And what I have recognized over time is that if I give that, that idea that is really important to me space to kind of like percolate in my brain and then start putting things down on paper, start recording thoughts that I have about it, that that space that you give it is actually directly related to the quality of the product that comes out the other side and whether or not it actually happens. So the first thing that I say in, in terms of creating an elevator pitch is actually to step back and take time to nurture the idea so that it is something that exists separate from you. 
So it's one thing to say, Hey, I have this really kind of cool idea and be able to talk about it a little bit, but you want, you want to get your program idea or proposal to the point where it can stand on its own as its own story. And so to me, and thinking about what an elevator pitch is, an elevator pitch is the end of the process. Like what it begins with the idea and then the fleshing out. And that process might be very in depth. I mean, you might have a bunch of meetings to talk to people. You might make, you might make your own two, three page proposal and edit that and think about it. And in that process, you keep asking yourself questions that other people might ask you. Um, And so I think that there is this natural inflection where it goes from something in your mind that it's just you (laughs) and this thing you're playing around with in your mind, that then you start to, you start to inch it out towards other folks who can give you really good high quality feedback. Um, I think that's a whole nother discussion, but essentially high quality feedback means you understand what you're asking for and the other person understands too. Um, And so then you can start to refine it. And so by the time you get to pitch, you recognize that your pitch literally is just the high points. So you've got something very comprehensive underneath that. And your pitch is basically like the topic sentence of each paragraph. And that's what I think makes a really powerful pitch and I think that comes through because when you when you just start with the pitch, there's not enough underneath that I think creates the compelling argument that allows people to want to hear more. So I, I like a lot of what you just said. So one big thing I heard you say is like, I really like the pitch is the end point of having done a bunch of work up front to come up with yes. exactly <laughs> what you're going to be pitching. So that's one thing. The mm-hmm. second thing is, that I heard you say is, Maybe you give yourself some time to mull it over and do your kind of internal thinking. For me, that's like when I go for a run or a walk, I do that kind of thinking. Um, And I think everyone kind of does it their own way. And then Mm -hmm. the next one I heard was put your fingers to the keyboard or your pen to the paper or your voice to a recorder and translate that into something that's more tangible. Is that right? Yes. I'm a big fan of that. I sometimes get stuck at that point, to be honest, personally. And so I have to push myself to start typing and turning what's been churning in my head into something on paper. I don't know about you. Is that an easy part for you? Yes. I'm, well, I don't know if it's an easy part. I recognize that it's like, it has two sides. So one is that it is, it is the first, to me, it's the first point of resistance of like, exp- and like anything you create is going to have points of resistance along the way. Cause that's why it doesn't exist yet. So to me, the first point of resistance is taking it from something that you're mulling about in your head. And even maybe something that you said out loud and actually putting words down on paper to make it tangible. And so somebody else could read it. That's what I mean by separating yourself from the idea. So that's like the first resistance point. Um, and so what I have found around that resistance point is two things. One, that there is a challenge there. And so I have to realize like, okay, am I going to sit down and actually do this? Or is this going to be something that never actually happens? But the other, the other side of it is that if I put it down on paper, it's happening. (laughs) So like, I really also understood that, you know, if I really want to make something happen, if I know that if I commit to the work to get it down on paper and something understandable and start working with it, it will happen. And it gives me the momentum to keep going. That's great. I, I actually use the third or fourth, I can, I've lost track of the numbers, thing that I heard you say, which is then you you float it to folks that you trust to get feedback. And one of the strategies I've used is to book myself to have those conversations, which means I have to put it down on writing so yes. I can have those conversations. <laughs> um, yes. So it's a way to create external deadlines for yourself. <laughs> yes. I have found that to be helpful personally. Um, and I found... Um, vetting the idea with trusted 
people who can give me feedback in an honest way have helped, has really helped me refine my ideas. And I think I heard embedded in what you said was, and I have to be able to go into those wanting to hear their input on whatever this idea is. And for me, at least, it's good to do that not too far down the pathway because I become more wedded to my ideas over mm-hmm. time. And if I ask mm-hmm. for some input earlier, I, mm-hmm. I'm, it's, I'm more nimble in incorporating that feedback. That's a personal reflection. I don't know how you feel about hearing thoughts. Uh, I think everybody has that line. So I think for some people, it might be earlier than later. I think because I'm, I'm early to mid career, I think that what happens, I think early career folks have the opposite problem is that they share too early before we tend to share too early before we really refined something and written it down and gotten it on paper and really understood what we're trying to do. And so when you do that, it really is hard to hold on to the kernel that's most valuable because you're getting too much input early and then it kind of can fizzle out really quickly. So I tend to advise folks around my career level to hold on a little bit longer so that you're really clear about what you want to do and then be open to feedback. Um, but I, and so maybe that changes as you go through, I don't know, maybe I'll yeah. feel differently if you ask me in another five or 10 years. So what you're saying is as I get older, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> but I think, that's <laughs> a really I, good, that? <laughs> no, I think that's a really good distinction and a really important point. And I think that part about fully formulating something that has some, some substance to it before you start taking it to people is important, both because it honors you doing that process about what mm-hmm. that vision is. And I think you'll get better feedback if you have something that's more for, kind of fully fleshed out before you start vetting it with people. So I think that those are really good points. I do think maybe as you get older or have done more of these, maybe you start thinking, you know, the answers a little bit more often. So it's good to invite people to the table early. <laughs> so yes, give them but also career experience. Yes. And also Trish, I think that as you get more senior and more experienced, I just think that process that goes from your mind to the paper is also quicker. Like, I think that that is more efficient at this point when you're, as well, also when you're more well-versed in the institution or the rules or the structures that you're moving on. Whereas I feel like early career people, that process takes longer. And so that's also the distinction. So it might be the exact same point. It's just that you get there sooner, the more you do this kind of work. Yeah. Those are all interesting. I I think that's interesting. And I think good, different perspectives on it. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is all our pre-work to finally get to the point where we have an elevator pitch. So let's say folks who are listening have kind of done all those steps, and now they want to take it to the person or people that they're hoping to kind of garner support from for whatever this idea is. Mm-hmm. And I heard you say kind of take the, the, the first lines of, of the paragraphs of what you've written, but tell me a little bit more about how I translate now all this work into what I'm going to go say to my supervisor, a boss, some leader somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say that the first, what we talked about before, which was after you get something down on paper, you're kind of trying to get some feedback. I think those conversations, if I can use a metaphor, are kind of like if you're you're sitting across a table from somebody and you're both looking, you're both, you think you're looking at the same thing. You put something up on in the middle of the table and you ask that person, what do you see? Because that kind of feedback really helps you finally get out of your head because it's only been you and your idea. So you need to get out of your head so then you can get information about what the other person sees. That's the purpose of the early feedback. Now, when you get to the point where you're making a pitch, you're doing something different. 
because what you're not, you're not necessarily asking and saying, what do you see? What you're actually trying to do is bring somebody around to your side of the table and you want to look and you want them to look and see the same thing you do. And you want it to be a partnership of, Hey, how are we going to make this happen? That's really what you're doing underneath the pitch. And so, because that's what you're doing, it means that when you're picking out what you're talking about, a lot of times people really want to focus on like the process or the what this is what I'm going to do. Whereas you have to spend so much more time on the why, because the why is what brings somebody around to your side of the table. And once you have them there and they can see the gap or the problem or the issue or the opportunity through your eyes, how you see it, then you can have a really great conversation about the way to move forward. So even if they don't like your specific direction or they think, well, I'm not really sure if this will work. If you've got them on that side of the table, you got a foot in and you have a partnership. And so something's going to happen. So when I think about the elevator pitch, that's what I think about. I think it's 80% bringing somebody on your side of the table. And then it's 20%. What do they need to know about what you actually plan to do? And I think that starts very high level. And then you can, then when you get the follow-up questions is when you demonstrate the immense amount of work you've done to prepare for that moment. So if I was going to distill out what I heard there, one thing is a lot of it is the why, like give them the why and don't give them all the details because that's going to be too much for an elevator pitch, a short. But you have the details for when they ask you the questions to follow up on whatever you've got them to buy into. Yes. Okay. So the last thing I'll ask you about on this is, why is it important to have an elevator pitch? Like, why not just craft a long email that explains what you're thinking about and send it off to the person who is potentially going to buy in or not buy into this idea? You know, I think that if we could change the world through emails, we would have considering how many emails I have in my inbox at any given time. Um, and I think that m- most of the time, if you're doing an elevator pitch, it's because you're actually trying to create something that doesn't exist, or you're trying to shift something that has, that has ramifications in some way, shape or form. And those kinds of generative activities or those kinds of revolutionary activities or disruptive activities, however you want to think of them, they happen because of connection. They happen because somebody connects to the idea, to the story. They understand it through your eyes, and then they're willing to take action. And I think that I would just offer that that's very challenging to do in an email. I couldn't agree more. And I think conversation is so much more effective and efficient and focused conversation like you're advocating for, I think is appreciated by many people. Mm-hmm. So do you have any last words of wisdom about crafting an elevator pitch or why they're important if you are got an idea that you're trying to advance? Um, I think the only thing I would add is that when you're when you are in the process of pitching or when you're in the process of giving it the best absolute best sign that you can have is when somebody asks you questions and so i think that what can happen is that people can get defensive really early um, and especially if somebody's picking out like what they perceive as a weakness or that but if you've gotten to the point where somebody is asking you process questions well how is this really going to work 
you are in a great place. And so that's something I have to remind myself and something I would remind anybody is that those are actually the moments where it does take that, that kind of maturity to handle the critique, to recognize that your idea is not you, it's separate from you. And if you've got somebody engaged to the level of that you're, they're asking you details and process and questions, then you've got them on your side of the table. And that is a beautiful place to be. And so wherever the meeting might end, you are, you are making progress going forward. Um, and so I think I would leave the conversation there because we want people to feel like afterwards, like that's how you move forward. And then you just keep going from there. And the pitch has done its job. I think that's great advice because I think that could be a moment when people feel kind of demoralized. And yet it means that the door is opening. And so yes. in the conversation yes. and the idea. All right. Well, I so appreciate this conversation and I know our listeners will appreciate it. If nothing else, because I'll tell them she used this approach <laughs> on something like her new job and it works. Yes. So yes. I think she can say that her approach has positive results and I am the benefit of the pitch and the subsequent conversations and the, the achievement of a new idea being put in place. And that's this new role as the director of URM faculty development, which I'm super excited about. Um, Kemi, thank you so much for spending the time talking about this. I know that people will find it helpful. I'm sure that, that there will be many new initiatives move forward because people have kind of had some, some foundation to think about how they gel their idea, get some feedback on it, and then put it together in a pitch that makes, makes people buy in. Thank you, Trish. I am so excited too. And I can't wait for what's coming because ultimately we're just going to keep pitching and keep changing and keep creating wonderful new things. So I'm excited. As am I. Um, for folks who are listening, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. To listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them at the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Mm -hmm.